It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.07 on a Saturday morning, 75 degrees outside. It is warm. I went outside this morning and thought, man, it is warm outside already. 75 degrees going up into the, what did Brad say just a minute ago, in 50s, 80s, 90s, 100s today. It's going to be pretty pretty warm this afternoon. Of course, a chance of rain coming through, Brad says as well. So we'll see about that, see what happens this afternoon. 404 is the number on Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener. I'm here to help you be more successful in your landscape, bring a little happiness into your into your life as well. I have a great time hosting this show. I have a great time gardening. I have a great time not gardening as well. If you have any garden problems that perplex you, or if you have a garden problem you would like to avoid the hard work, get the easy way down, I will help you achieve that. Again, our number, 404-872-0750. One of the plants that I have a love-hate relationship with, I was communing with this plant just yesterday afternoon, and that plant is English ivy. We talk about it many times on the show. People say, I want to get rid of the English ivy. I want to do this with English ivy. Can I control it? I recognize that there are some places where English ivy is the only plant that can possibly survive in the dense shade and the slope and the particular environmental conditions it might be in a certain spot. Sometimes English ivy is the best choice to put into a place. But sometimes English ivy, if not managed, can become a real booger bear, a menace to your landscape because it crawls on top of under and around things and gets on the stuff you don't want it to be and just becomes a real pain in the patootie to to control and to get it out of where you don't want it. So yesterday afternoon I was doing my job, which was to control the English ivy in a place that I don't want it. This was on a little path that I keep maintained behind one of my neighbor's houses because it connects the house down to the creek. And I like to go down to the creek and see what's living in the creek, what's passed by. They can see... Uh, prints of possums and raccoons and deer and things like that at the creek. And so I like to go down there, but I don't like to trip through the English ivy, the poison ivy, and other things to get down to the creek. So every eh, two or three weeks, maybe, I go down with my little spray can of uh, Roundup, and I spray the English ivy on either side of the path. Now, one of the things I've got this past week, got an email from somebody who had English ivy in their landscape, and they said, oh, Walter, we have used Roundup, we've used Brush Killer, we've used all sorts of things that don't work. What will work to kill English ivy? And thinking about that as I sprayed my Roundup yesterday down the path, thinking that Roundup works great. The question is, how long does it take to work? And that is really what I think discourages people from making them think that Roundup is not working very well because it does take a long time. I have no doubt in my mind that it sometimes takes two, three weeks before you really see any damage and how it's easy to do right after you spray in the next two or three days. If you don't see yellow leaves, you think, man, this stuff is not working. What's wrong with this stuff? And I think the situation that's happening with Roundup is the leaves themselves are so waxy that it just takes a while for the chemical to soak through to start affecting the 
the plant mechanisms inside is what Roundup does. And finally, to get that leaf on the ivy plant to turn yellow and drop off. And that's the sequence that I sometimes see and notice most of the time is when I spray it, it may be at least two weeks. So I go back to that same sprayed spot. I begin to notice that the English ivy leaves have turned a little bit light yellow. They get black spots on them. And then all of a sudden you look and see most of the leaves in this particular sprayed spot have all turned yellow and have all fallen off of the vine. And now I can see all the way down to the, to the soil line. So if you're trying to control English ivy, the key is simply to wait, be patient. English ivy is susceptible to Roundup and brush killer. It works just fine. But the key is to wait until it's had a chance to do its job on the plant. It will take at least two weeks, maybe three, before you see any damage. But I promise it will eventually show up and you will be able to control English ivy. Now, my other job yesterday, I still had a little bit left in the bottom of the can with my, with my Roundup, was to go look for poison ivy. And man, oh man, did I find poison ivy, a big patch of it. It just makes my skin crawl to look at it. I think, man, I want to get that. And so I sprayed the poison ivy very carefully. And um, I also saw some Virginia creeper. And Virginia creeper, as you know, the vine that has five leaves, those vines, you can leave them alone if you want to. In this case, the Virginia creeper was sort of crawling over things that I didn't think it needed to be there. And so I gave it a little squirt of Roundup, too. So the Roundup will kill the poison ivy. It'll kill the Virginia creeper. In fact, Roundup kills every plant that it touches. I've not found yet a plant that Roundup could not control. Again, it may be slow, but eventually Roundup will do its job. If you have a question about how to control a pest plant in your landscape, kudzu, bamboo, if you have a question about any of them, 404-872-0750. But before we get to talking about problems with plants, let's go down to Griffin, Georgia, and visit with our friend Nicole from Griffin GA. Good morning, Nicole. Mr. Reeve. Hey, Nicole. How are you? Fine, fine. You know what I find out? What? There's only two things that work for English ivy, concrete and carpet. <laughs> Why do you say that? Uh, Mr. Reeve, it's not controllable. It's just climbing. You get those long things that go underneath the fence. And yeah, yeah. God, and this will, whoever it is, I go from state to state to state, right. and there's a sign alongside the interstate. I mean, uh, lots of signs that say, English ivy kills tree. And oh, I was saying myself, right. whoever done it just don't like English ivy at all. <laughs> it's from one state to the other. Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina. God, oh, Miss God. I wish you had time to take a picture of that English ivy kills trees sign in another state because I know who does it. And I'm not going to tell you who does it, Nicole, because it is a secret. I made I made a promise that I would not reveal who does those signs. I know how it's done, and I know who does them. And I think it's remarkable that they will be in a place one day, and then you pass by that place next week, and it's not there anymore. I would, because this sign is got different colors on it. Yeah, it's got yeah. A yellow, yeah, green. different yellow, different multicolored uh, letters on it. If you see it in another state, and I know that you're driving, don't have time maybe to stop and take a picture. But if you find a place that you can stop and take a picture, and send it to me, I would love to see it in some other state rather than just around Atlanta, where I've seen it everywhere in Atlanta. I can think of. I've seen it on I-75 going north. I've seen it on 285 going around on the east side. I've seen it on. Uh, Claremont Road going north in front of the uh, Cliff Valley School. You see it everywhere. But Ridiculous! 
Yes, he this guy old, He doesn't time. like English Ivy. No, sirree, Bobcat. He does not like English Ivy. No, he probably was an English Ivy before in his <laughs> other life. Good grief. Maybe this <laughs> but, is I mean, it's just not... If you let it climb, yeah. it will kill the tree. Maybe, but, I mean, maybe his ex-wife was named Ivy, and she was from England. And that's yeah. why he says it like... <laughs> English ivy and kills trees. I don't know what that's got about the export. I don't know if I can Mr. Take Reed, that. if you put English ivy in um, Phoenix, Arizona, yeah. where it's really hot, yeah. do you think it would survive? No. no. It wouldn't survive in Phoenix. It's got to have some amount of moisture in order to thrive, I think. God, I but I don't know. I do not know where the limit to English ivy is. When you drive around, you tell me. You observe what's going on in the in the woods besides the highway. Go find out what is the northernmost, easternmost, westernmost uh, limits of English ivy, and come back with me. Tell me where you see it. Ah. Ah. Oh, God almighty. <laughs> anyway, I, I want to talk about dragonfly. Dragonfly. What about I it? I had so many of them yeah. this year. Yeah. It, it is a good sign, isn't it? It's a great sign. Dragonflies, the adults, they eat some mosquitoes, but mainly the creature or the form of the animal that eats the most mosquitoes is the larval form of dragonflies, which you may not have ever seen. But I promise you, Nicole, if you see the larval dragonfly, you'll say, that is one ugly baby right there. They are ugly. But did they have all the same color? No. They look like little, mm, how can I describe them? They're about three-quarters of an inch long. They're fat brown. They live in the mud and the muck and lakes and ponds and streams where the water is sort of slow. And they eat mosquito larvae. The larvae that are floating up and down in the water there getting ready to hatch out. Those larvae of the dra dragonfly eat the mosquito larvae. All right. Yeah, right. You go, if you have a just any water feature, any little piece of water around your house, Nicole, go out with a uh, shovel or something that you can scoop up some mud on the side of your water feature and put it on a place that you can slowly wash away the, uh, the mud. And you'll see little things about as big as the end of your thumb crawling around, ugly as sin, in that mud. Those are dragonfly larvae. It keeps my, my cat entertained, though. Well, that's it, too. They're mm -hmm. wonderful you know, insects. They flit around and land on things, and the cat look at them and, and uh, sort of follows them around, tries to bat at them every once in a while. I'm sure they are pretty entertaining. Because then they don't fly really high, so no. they just get their little paws and try to get one, and sometimes <laughs> they, get, they get some, too. But, I mean, it's early in the morning or 6 o'clock at night. Yeah. When you see most of them, isn't it? They're wonderful, wonderful insects, great for the environment, a good indicator that you have a healthy environment around you. And dragonflies and damselflies, their close kin, are just great insects. Uh, those are, are uh, do they pollinize too? No, they don't do anything like that. They're just oh, okay. simply eating, they're carnivorous, and so they eat the mosquito and a few other in, small insects that they eat. That's it. That's all what? they do. Well, good for us. Good for us. Good for us. It's 6.18. i got to get out of here, Nicole. It's great talking to you again this Saturday morning. Enjoy your day. We'll see you soon. Nicole from Griffin, Georgia. It's 6.18. We'll be back right after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need.
howling for you. That's just like a genre I call bumpity whompity music. Is that bumpity whompity there, Jason? I call it dirty modern blues. Dirty modern blues or bumpity whompity. Drives it pretty accurately. That, I think. that works for me as well. Quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Saturday, 60% chance of scattered storms. High of 88, low of 73 tonight. Mostly cloudy this morning, of course. Sunday, 60% scattered storms again. High of 87, low of 74. And again, mostly cloudy during the day. Your full weekend forecast comes within 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Our friend John in Dunwoody joins us. Hey, John, good morning. Hey. Hey, man. Got a 21-year-old fig tree. Yeah. I think it's just full of buds like every year. It, it, produces, it produces a pretty good bit of fig every year. And this year I noticed some of the buds are drying up and falling off. And I want to know if those things are seedlings or if I've got something going on. I tell you what, John, I was relieved this morning when I came in and I heard Brad's forecast. It says 60% chance of rain. Because mine, my fig is doing the exact same thing. Lots of little green, dried up little figlets that are coming out of the tree. Yeah. And I think most of it is water. It has not rained at my house for about five or six days. And this is a time of year when a fig needs most water because that's when it's plumping up the fig fruit. Yeah. And given a little bit of rain the next day or so, it, within a week, they'll all be big brown yellow jackets everywhere eating them. And you'll just have a lot of figs. Now. If you have any chance of watering yours, if you have, still have figs left on it, I would water your fig if the rain does not come today. Well, that's what I'm going to do. It rained like the devil here last night, but right. I know that's not going to be enough, so I make sure I water that thing every day. Yeah, you have to during the during that plumping up period. I call it just before they all turn ripe. They have a yeah. lot of water needs, and so you got to do that to get the get the fig going on. Yeah, I shut down the bird feeders and everything. I don't want nobody up there but me. <laughs> so the the hotel, the restaurant, everybody else is closed. Right. Yeah, they the birds for a place there. to nest and and then have a dinner afterwards. You know. Yeah. Let me ask you something, John. Do you are you bothered particularly about wasps or yellow jackets or things on your figs, or you just sort of tolerate them and they tolerate you? Yeah, I got a hummingbird feeder up, and they kind of go after that thing. Yeah. Where's but. Uh, Usually, uh, no, I don't have any problem with them, you know, a whole lot. I think a lot of people are afraid of them, really, when, when they try to go harvest figs and they see a wasp or a hornet and they just think, oh, my God, I'm going to be stung. I need to look out for this. But generally, if you just thump the branch, just hit it a little bit with a stick or something, they'll fly off to another fig and you can pick that fig that they've been sitting on. Yeah. I've never had any harm to come to me from just sort of walking through the yellow jackets and the wasps and the hornets and things and trying to eat some figs as I try to harvest them either. So I encourage people, if you have figs, don't worry too much about the insects there. Thump the branches, drive them off. They're not going to sting you because they want the same thing you do. They want some figs to eat, and they're just there eating just like you are. 404-872-0750 is the number on Lawn and Garden. We'll be back after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 6.36 on a Saturday morning, still 75 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in your landscape, to help you avoid jobs that you don't want to do. Whatever you need to ask about your particular garden, bugs, pest animals, 
creatures, flowers, trees. If you have a question, I have an answer. 404-872-0750. Brother Gene calls to us with a question about his red tip fortina. Hey, Gene. Good morning. Good morning. What's going on? Uh, <clears throat> years ago, my husband planted some red tip trees, I think is what you call them. Yeah, Gene. It is, one of them is just out of control. Yeah. When is when could we trim them? Gene? Today, <laughs> you know, many times I say wait till next month. You should have done it last week about pruning various plants. But for red tip fotini gene, today is the day. It's hot. There's not going to be a lot of new growth put onto it, and that is what you want to avoid with red tips. Is if you have a lot of lush new growth, as if you pruned it in April in the spring, that lush new growth is really susceptible to the red tip fotini leaf spot that just kills them dead. But if you do it during a time when it's dry and um, real hot, where there's not a whole lot of new growth coming onto the plants, then they don't have the leaf spot nearly as badly. So if you're going to do it, Gene, today's the day. Or tomorrow. I'll give you tomorrow if you want to. Well, can I ask you one other yeah, thing? Yeah, sure. Can, will it hurt or anything if I cut some of my hydrangeas down this fall to the ground? Yeah. Then my old ones is not blooming. I don't know... I've got several, the old ones, the yeah. blue ones. Yeah, yeah. And they've not got a bloom on them. If you, they got killed back twice. Just, yeah, but if you prune them back in the fall, Gene, you're going to cut off all the bloom buds for next year because the bloom buds on hydrangeas are formed somewhere between the middle of July and the middle of September. Okay, oh. so all the bloom buds for next May are happening, coming about right now, they'll start, and they'll start making the little buds on the end of the branches and then they'll you know bloom next year if you needed to prune a hydrangea gene i'd rather you do that today too we're still in the middle of june there's still plenty of time for new buds to form so if you're going to do it let's get the hydrangeas pruned now you could prune them pretty severely yeah you sure can but i wouldn't wait till fall to do it in no i wouldn't okay thanks so much gene it's great to hear from you again thanks for calling okay Bye -bye. see you soon we got scott and Ethan Tun joining us on lawn and garden hey scott good morning Good morning, Walter. I enjoy your, uh, your show. Good morning, Scott. I have a good morning. I have a question about uh, crepe myrtles. Yeah. Um, when I I've got some older mature crepe myrtles, but I keep getting these suckers that come up around the base of the trunks, and I'd mm -hmm. like to have you know a trunk that without the suckers there are maybe three or four trunks. How do you how do you keep the suckers down? Should I trim them, or I know there's that product that you can spray, but yeah. I just I can't seem to keep the suckers from coming up, and it's. Uh, you have any suggestions for that? How much are you pruning the top of <clears throat> the top of the tree in the wintertime, Scott? Um, I used to prune them, but I don't prune them anymore. They haven't been pruned in the last three or four years. So, hmm. gradually, gradually, the sprouting at the base will diminish naturally because as the crepe myrtle recovers its top. It will th say, I don't need really and truly these down at the bottom. I have my new leaves at the top of the plant. Scott's like pruning them off every winter. <laughs> and so I can uh, right. not have any sprouts down at the bottom. You can, you can hasten that along if you want to by getting some of the sucker punch spray and prune off the suckers, prune off the sprouts, and spray with sucker punch immediately. But it'll naturally stop going in the next year or two or so. Okay, so you're saying uh, cut, the cut the base for the... Um where the stems are coming up and then use sucker punch on that yep. 
after after I cut them, just on the woody part. You got it right there where, the, where it comes okay. out of that little swollen bud that's the base of the plant. That's where you spray the sucker punch. Yep. And it wouldn't do it wouldn't do any good to take like a sponge and apply like a, a Roundup product. Ooh. On those. That would kill all three, right? Oh, Scott, that would be a bad decision. <laughs> that would be a bad okay. thing to do. No okay. Roundup okay. of those sprouts. Okay. By, by the way, the, the pike over there at uh, Oconee, Lake Oconee, Scott, probably has sucker punch. Right. All the pikes around Atlanta here have sucker punch, so that's where you get it near you. Right. I've, I've actually bought it there. That's where I've oh, actually okay. bought it. But Good I deal. still have problems with that stuff, you know, coming back. So. Yeah. But thanks, thanks for your time. I really appreciate you it. You bet, Scott. Drive safely. We'll see you soon. 404-872-0750 gets you in to take Scott's place. David is out in Tucker and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, David, morning. Good morning. Hey. Now we're here in Tucker overnight. Yeah. Well, I have a mystery for you. Um, I'm working on photographs for it, but I don't have it just this moment. But a friend of mine in uh, White County, yeah. um, uh, flowers that are towering over his Joe Pie. Ooh, that's and, tall. Yes, 10 feet. The blossoms are yellow and they're about ah. three inches in diameter yeah they have a dark center they look like um sunflowers but the rest of the plant doesn't resemble sunflowers so where about that i bet it is uh, one of the sunflower family and i'll bet you it is jerusalem artichoke that's the common oh. name for it yeah i think so because there's nothing else it gets 10 feet tall yellow flowers and Towers over the Joe Pye weed, Jerusalem artichoke is probably the one you're looking at. Wow, because the locals just called it wildflower, which is hilarious. <laughs> Go dig some of it up. Get your friend David to dig some of it up. And Jerusalem artichoke, if this is what it is, which I believe it to be, will have real thick, sort of fleshy, tuberous roots. And you can eat them. The Indians, the Native Americans, used to eat them all the time. Oh. If you do eat those tuberous roots, David, my information is be cautious on your first meal or so or two until your body gets used to it because the the uh, proteins and some of the other things that are in Jerusalem artichoke tubers, let me see how I can say this on the radio on the, on the morning, um, they are ex explosively gaseous, let's put it that way. You will, you will not want to be in the room with other people for at least a little while after you eat the roots. But if your body gets accustomed to them, then I think you're, you're fine after that. But the first time, first couple of meals that you eat of the Jerusalem artichoke might be a little noisy and embarrassing. So that is a, is that a native perennial? Yeah, sure is. Native perennial dies back to the ground every year. And again, assuming that I'm right, it will spread pretty, pretty well. Uh, you can harvest the Jerusalem artichoke tubers off the edge of a plot of it and um, have the plot stay there for years and years and years, just harvesting some off the edge and let the rest of it regrow during the next year. Wow, that's great. Well, yeah. thank you very much. All right, just be careful. Let me know if you have some of it, David. Let me know what happens. I will do so. All right. We'll see you soon. Thanks for calling, Dave. we got uh, Edward in Lilburn, Georgia, joining us. Edward, hey, good morning. Yeah, good morning. Uh, hey, I've got a problem uh, in the backyard. Yeah. I've got, I mean, it's, it's just a mess. All right, and it's it's just weeds. It's got like some wild strawberry in there, and probably every weed in the weed book. Yeah. And nothing I use on it seems to be killing it. And I want to kill it. Yeah, I want to throw some topsoil on it, and I want to grow a, a 
real proper lawn because it gets plenty of sunshine. Okay. Well, you should be able to do that if we can get rid of the weeds first. Why do you think Roundup would not work on it, Edward? Uh, no clue. I've used uh, a couple different brands, and um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm ready to get one of the torches and start <laughs> burning it. They're fun. They're real fun. <laughs> I'll talk about well, torches a little bit fun, later. Are they effective? Now, if they're effective Ooh. and fun, I mean, hey, that's... That's a win-win. They will certainly crisp up the top of the of the plant, certainly. I will warn you on the torch. This is what I learned from using a torch in my garden. Get somebody nearby to watch and make sure you don't set the mulch and your pants and everything else in the garden on fire because it will do that pretty quickly, too. And whoever's there needs to be able to dial 911 real fast because the torches are hot and the little propane torch, of course, that we use has a flame that goes out about four or five inches and it will set other things around if you're not careful on fire and then that can lead to things you didn't anticipate so be careful with the torch but going back to the roundup i started the show this morning talking about english ivy and people complaining that english ivy just doesn't doesn't isn't getting hurt by their roundup they spray and i said then you need to wait a little while so the weeds you have in your yard, Edward, I think Roundup will kill them given the time that it takes to absorb into the leaf and go into the stem and the roots and do its job. I don't see any reason why it wouldn't work. Roundup is a very, very uh, mm. potent weed killer. It doesn't have anything that hurts animals or birds or you and me or kids or anything else, but Roundup works very nicely. Okay, if I do the Roundup, how long do I have to wait until I put the soil on top of it? You know, I think the label says wait six or seven days before seeding. And so, frankly, I would wait at least six days just to let the chemical get absorbed <clears throat> into the stems and leaves of the plants you're trying to kill. And then put the topsoil on top. And frankly, if that topsoil is less than two or three inches thick, I would till that in, mix it in. Where you want a nice sort of homogeneous interface there for the roots of your new grass to go through. You don't want to have a layer of topsoil, then a layer of whatever you have now, clay, and then a layer of rock or something underneath that. You want everything to be a very homogeneous mix. So topsoil and tilling is probably what you need to do. Okay. And just back to the torching, because that sounds like a lot more fun than Roundup. <laughs> how long do you, I mean, how long do you think it'd take to do like a 100-square-foot, uh, I mean, my, my yard's bigger than this, but 100-square-feet? Not long. I mean, you just sort of swing it back and forth. You're not trying to crisp things down to black or anything like that. You'll see on the on the leaves of the weeds when the torch comes near them, they sort of shrivel a little bit and they pop, bink, 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 like that, pop, pop. And the it looks like turnip greens that have melted, turnip greens that have been boiled for a little while, the leaves just turn to dark, dark green and melt to the ground. That's what it looks like. Well, so I don't need to get down to the root level then. Well, the plants that are going to be controlled by the torch are all the annual plants. Yeah, if you have perennial things like, what, dandelion and uh, amaranth and some of the ones that have real thick roots, you can't get the soil heated up enough to kill those, no. So the torch will only kill the above-ground parts of a plant. If it's an annual that doesn't have deep roots, then yeah, it'll kill it completely. But perennials with the real thick, deep roots, it won't hurt those bad at all. All right, you gave me something to think about. I appreciate it. Have a great day. And not only that, but it also can light your cigars. So you think about that too, Edward. <laughs> I think I'm going to have a couple buddies over and uh, we'll, put the, uh, we'll put the fire out with the beer. And, and you know, no fireworks like either. Did I say no fireworks? No fireworks allowed in there.
You got it. All, all right. right. Thank you. All right, Edward. We'll see you soon. No fireworks for that weeding torch. Not at all. It's 647 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. I've got a 12-inch three-speed oscillating fan Sitting on the floor in front of the divan It's been there ever since this heat wave began Our 12-inch three-speed oscillating fan I'm just sitting on the couch with my cousins and my brother As the fan blows breeze What a great song. When I was a kid, yeah, when I was a kid, all stories start with when I was a kid. That's all we had to cool the house, a 12-inch, three-speed oscillating fan sitting on the divan. We'd sit around and try to get in front of that fan, jostle your brother and sister, get out away from here. I need to cool off in here. Quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Saturday, 60% chance of scattered storms mostly this afternoon. High of 88, low of 73, mostly cloudy this morning, though. Tomorrow, 60% chance of scattered storms, high of 87, low of 74, mostly cloudy once again. Your full weekend forecast Comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Earl, out of Snellville, joins us on Lawn and Guard. Hey, Earl. How you doing? Hey, man. What you got? Okay, I got a large crab apple tree out in my front yard. Yeah. The top is brown. The mm. bottom of it is green. All I right. do have buds on it, but the neighbors told me that it hasn't uh, actually produced any fruit in almost three years. All right. They used to pick it. <laughs> now... I did a uh, I did the plant stakes for Miracle Grow yeah. about four months ago. Yeah. I haven't seen any improvement. But it's still so, green on the lower half of the tree. Lots of leaves down there. Just the top of it's brown and dead. Right. right. Uh, now there's one branch on it that is green at the very top. Okay. But other than that, all all the other branches are bare. Now my question is, should I call an arborist and have a uh, deep root feeding done? If your neighbors are so worried about this tree, Earl, why are they not helping you to bring it back to life? Well, <laughs> it, it's, it's kind of like a kind of like a neighborhood thing. Neighborhood okay. thing. I moved into the house three months ago, and now it's your responsibility and, uh, for their crab apple tree to bring back to have some fruit so they can eat it and throw it around at each other. Okay, there. No, it's actually in my front yard. Okay, and it, it is a really really nice tree. I don't, and I don't. I don't want to, you know, do any major pruning to it if I don't have to. I don't think that an arborist is needed here. I think you can do mostly what an arborist could do, but I do think water, mulch, and some light fertilization would not be bad for the tree, Earl. So here's what right. I would do. Number one, get a sprinkler system or some kind of drip irrigation system to make sure it gets watered once a week nice and deeply, get the roots hydrated. Number right. two, put mulch underneath the tree all the way out to the drip edge of the branches. Make sure the tree is mulched all the way out to the end of the branches. And number three, a slow-release fertilizer like um, milorganite or, or, or uh, holytone or one of those slow ones. That would work fine. But I think that okay. is what you need to do is to water, mulch, fertilize lightly, and that's the best you can do and no arborist needed. Right. Okay. I'll get, definitely give that a try. All right. Thanks for calling, Earl. We'll see you soon. 404 872 the number on Lawn and Garden. We'll be back after news. 